Let's do this. A Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? I am doing great. That was a win, 4-1 win over the Florida Panthers that the Edmonton Oilers absolutely had to have, Bruce. This mm-hmm. is a really super tough uh, road trip. This was the this is the game against the weakest team by far of the three teams. Tampa and Carolina are really tough teams. And the Oilers really needed to have that. And they really, really deserve that win, Bruce. They outchanced them 9-7 to seven on grade-A chances. Of course, it could have gone either way when it's that close. But um, unlike the game against Tampa, Tampa's a much faster team, uh, which quality of competition makes such a difference in how a team looks on the ice. But the Oilers tonight really did a much better job in the neutral zone of trapping, as it was called in the old days, of bottling them up, getting on them, shutting them down in the neutral zone. They gave Tampa all kinds of room, possibly because Tampa's grabs that room themselves with their speed, right? So, uh, but the Oilers did a very nice job tonight. So, um, great win to see. Yeah, I said I was on um, Low Tide show on Wednesday, same day you're on Stoffer's show. Every Wednesday, I'm on uh, Low Tide show. And he asked me what the Oilers needed to get out of this road trip. And I said, minimum, they got to win one of the three yeah. games. If they come home and they've gone two and two in the first week without McDavid, and of course, they just beat Chicago the night before. If they go two and two in the first week without McDavid, that's good. Well, now they're two and one. They're playing a little bit with house money tomorrow afternoon. Uh, tall order. But, uh, um, you know, maybe they can squeeze another point or two out of it. But they, what they couldn't do is come home with, with zero wins and zero or one points. So now they got, they got a couple points. Uh, they got a little bit of space in, uh, in the standings again. Not much. It's so damn tight. That's why you can't afford any losing streaks. So uh, this was huge. And call me a crazy optimist. You can call me that. You're a crazy uh, optimist. Yeah, but I think McDavid's going to be back sooner than later. So there you go. All right. There's my crazy optimism. He's still in the hyperbaric chamber as we speak. <laughs> He's been there ever since. He's got a little TV hooked up. Maybe a watch that he can watch the TV on. Helps pass the time. And uh, he's worried about Colby Cave taking his job, so he's going to be back. All right, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it's an owner's win, we're going to go with two good things each. Bruce, what's your first good thing? Well, i got to single out Mikko Koskinen today. This was a, this was a, a huge, huge game for him personally. Yeah. Over over and above the team. You know, uh, he's kind of lost his grip on the net mining spot a little bit. And uh, he's been watching from the bench a fair bit lately. And it's one of those situations where he gets put in, he has to prove that uh, he's he's worth another look. And, and uh, uh, he won a game like this um, uh, a couple of weeks ago when he first came back in the lineup after some time out. And he got the... He got that win, uh, allowing two goals, and today he one up that. He only allowed one. Uh, I frankly didn't like the one. I didn't think it was that good of a goal on him, but boy, did he make some <coughs> big-time saves and uh, uh, a couple of breakaways that he stopped were just outstanding, or, or not necessarily breakaways, but guys alone in front. That save he made off of Huberdeau, where Huberdeau took the pass and... and 
took it back to the side Koskinen was coming from. That's usually a goal against most goalies, but Big Mikko was able to stretch that enormous frame of him all the way across the uh, all the way across the crease to get his pad on the on the uh, shot. And then all five Oilers skaters came into the blue paint to help him with the rebound. <laughs> and he was, uh, anyway, they had, what, 34 shots on him, only one goal. And as you say, you know, seven grade A scoring chances. And, well, he, he stopped all of those and he got beaten on a grade B. But uh, yeah. overall, a, uh, a top-notch game from him. And I really liked the moment when he came and joined in the goal celebration because the goal scorer was in his end of the <laughs> ice when uh, Darnell Nurse made that superb curling shot that uh, uh, looked like it was going 10 feet wide and it ultimately wound up curling right into the net. I remember giving up one like that early in the season and not liking it, but when we got him, it's fine. I got no problem. So and that was that was... Uh, uh, that was the moment that you were pretty sure Edmonton was going to come away with the win. So sweet, eh, Bruce, to get a couple empty net goals, and especially for Drysaddle and Yamamoto. <coughs> Drysaddle, of course, being in the scoring race, and Yamamoto now 17 points in 17 games. And they are my first good thing. The And I'll go with my corny nickname for that line, the Leon Drysaddle Trio, because they're kind of like a, a jazz, they're playing jazz out there, mm-hmm. just yeah. improvising and working off each other and making it up as they go along, but doing it in absolutely outstanding fashion. And and that line, Bruce, has just, just it's been this, you know, other than McDavid's comeback um, from injury, which we didn't, of course, know about um, all the details, but the story of the year, I mean, there's been a number of great storylines. I, I guess the story of the year has been, Bakersfield players coming up and giving this team finally the kickstart that it needed. First Ethan Bear and um, now Yamamoto. He just had a fantastic game, another fantastic game. He's a point-a-game player in the NHL. It's at the point where we have to start fretting about his next contract, I guess, and people have to wonder if it's sustainable or not, and we have to get into all these debates. But what a fantastic hockey player. Um, Scurrying around the ice, making great plays. Dreisaitl is Dreisaitl. The NHL's right now um, playing like the NHL's MVP. wonder if he's going <coughs> to get into that conversation or not. We'll see what the odds makers say. See if there's any budge in the, the Vegas odds makers actually listing him as one of the top 10 players with a chance to win the MVP award. He isn't even there yet. Huh. And Nuge was just, it's just, again, so gratifying to see this longtime Edmonton Oiler finally, you know, since Taylor Hall and Eberle played with him, finally finding some line mates. He is just playing fantastic hockey. Uh, of course, in the third period, I was kind of cursing him because he had three unbelievable opportunities and he missed the net each time. But they were they were kind of tough plays too. Like so, um, but nonetheless, he he came up big and made some great plays as the game went along. So, um, just just a fantastic line, and I can't remember. I mean, I guess you could say that the Hall, Nugent, Hopkins, Everly line was a really good line, but it wasn't like this line. This line is the best line right now in the NHL. I don't think they ever reached that peak. And I don't remember, Bruce, the last time that we could say that the Oilers had the best line in the NHL. Maybe you could you could say Maroon, uh, Dreisaitl, and McDavid reached that status. Probably you could. They were close. Eh? They were close. They were close. 16, yeah, 17. fair enough. So before then, you'd have to go back, I think, right to the uh, glory era to get this kind of title and but these guys are doing it and and the sample size is growing you know 
I looked it at is. it earlier this week. It was in the hundred and they played together about 170 minutes by then. I think we're two games since then at least. And um, so they're over 200 minutes together <coughs> and their numbers aren't going down. Um, they're only getting better. So fantastic. What a treat. Yeah, well, basically it's uh, 16 games together for the three of them. Yeah. And, and it's uh uh, Drysdale or Yamamoto came up uh, uh, 17 games ago, and he he played with Drysdale right away, and they they linked Nuge with those guys. I think late in that game, and then ever since, and they've just been dynamite. Yeah. What is your other good thing? Well, I'm going to go with Adam Larson, who not only opened the scoring today with a wicked shot. Um, from the blue line through a screen that found the corner for his first goal basically in the calendar year that uh, put Edmonton ahead to stay. But I thought he played a dynamite game. Uh, he cleared an awful lot of pucks. Like He just was working to the boards, getting a stick on puck, up the boards to a supporting winger. Now, not always did the winger get it out. The Oilers' team had a little bit of trouble in the area just inside their own blue line. But uh, uh, Larson was just... Uh, uh, just hacking and chopping away. You know, he didn't get credit for a hit in this game, but he just <laughs> he, he just played his staunch defense, 25 minutes and 19 seconds, and a crucial role in the penalty kill, which saw him play 3 minutes, 17 seconds on the three order penalty kills to, I believe, lead the entire team in uh, PK ice time. And the penalty kill was a huge part of this game. I could have named that as my other good thing for the three big penalty kills that they uh, uh, that they delivered over the course of the game, two of them in the third period. Uh, yeah. But Lar- Larson was sort of central to those successes. And in general, uh, another <coughs> strong game from him and another plus two on uh, the guy who'd been bleeding goal differential, something fierce until recently. So uh, some uh, nice to see some, you know, payback with decent results, uh, you know, where, you know, not only does he, does he play well, but he's on the outscoring part of the game and the Oilers win. Like that's, that's, that's got to be a very satisfying game for uh, that sort of player. Bruce, I think it was just a week ago that I was making the point that the Oilers in their top four have two defensemen who are pretty weak at getting point mm-hmm. shots at Nat Nurse and Larson. And, uh, <laughs> and then I wrote a post that Larson, <laughs> I'd be, you know, I'm kind of leaning towards the Oilers trading Larson. And ever since then, he's been on a rip. I'm not saying that 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 I motivated him in any way. In fact, you know, I'd be, uh, I'm not saying that. Um, but I do, I, you know, he's playing well enough to start to change my opinion here. Like mm-hmm. he he, that was a great play. Him walking the line to get that shot off. That's exactly what he's got to do. He he's doing what he has to do as a player. He just can't be stationary. He's really got to use all of his skating ability when he's got the puck move his feet when he's got the puck and start making better plays with the puck. He, I don't know if he's, he, I'm not going to, he doesn't get lazy, but I, I just think he doesn't, he sometimes lacks confidence and aggression when he gets that puck on a stick. And um, when he does, when he is moving his feet, he's a pretty, he's, he's an okay, at least puck mover by NHL standards, I think. And he's a player that's really worth having around. Um, so nice to see him doing that in the last little while. It may come down to injury with him. Maybe when he's got the bad back, um, we know that he's, he's labored with that for a little while. He, he doesn't play as well. So maybe that's it. Uh, Bruce, my, uh, next good thing is Tyler Benson, 
I thought he finally had a good NHL game. This is his third yeah. game. Yeah, he did. <clears throat> so they, they, not coincidentally, they finally gave him some NHL line mates and Shea and, and um, Archibald. And I think that that line works best when it does have kind of an offensive player with it. So uh, we've seen Negard play well with them in the past. And Benson, I thought, had a really strong game. He was getting more involved offensively, making some plays, reading the play, playing more aggressively, looking more at home in the NHL. And that line was, that line's been really good actually since uh, McDavid went out. It's the Oilers' second line at this point, and it played very well. And I think I think Benson might. It's really interesting. Cassian goes out for seven games here. Tyler Benson's going to get a chance here, and on that line, he's got a chance to establish himself right now as an NHL player. So if I were, if Tyler, you know, the you know what I want to see from him and what he needs to do is three things. He's got a hit. He's got to really, really, really move his feet. And he's just got to, on defense, he's just got to be hyper aware all the time. Cover cover off my man, cover off my man on defense. Those three things, if he's doing those things, he's got enough natural skill, I think. And I think we saw it tonight to keep up with the play and be an effective hockey player. So good for Tyler Benson. Yeah, he played 12-46 today, which is almost as much as his first two games combined. And I thought he, he was pretty efficient. Uh he caught my eye really on, on uh, one play in particular when he he showed his two best skills in rapid succession when he won a board battle and then slipped a real nice pass out. This one was actually just inside his own blue line, but uh, he won the battle and he found his breaking teammate with a uh, with a, just a nice outlet pass. And he, he came fair, like he had a couple shots on net and he had a nice jam play in close that could have yeah. had happy results. And uh, he... Uh, uh, I thought that line was was pretty effective and and good on the forecheck. Bruce, what is your bad thing? I'm going to single out a single play for my bad thing. And this was Colby Cave in the third period with the Oilers, not necessarily comfortably in front 2-0, but defending a 2-0 lead and hard work to get the puck out of their zone. This was a big challenge today. It was getting it out of the zone, getting it to center, getting it to deep. Well, they finally got it their own zone, and Colby Cave walked it about 10 feet out over his own blue line. And then for no apparent reason whatsoever, he decides to fire it down the ice, and not a second pass between the puck leaving his stick and the icing whistle going, because there was no chance for any other. It wasn't one of those long passes off the end boards to the breaking winger. There just was no purpose to it other than taking a good possession where two steps gets you to the center line and then dump it in by all means. I just I just don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> and unfortunately, the, the, of course, then they have the icing face off in their end and they can't change. And, the, and uh, uh, finally, uh, uh, Cave loses the face off, but finally, Jujar Kara makes a nice play and they get it out. So they didn't score quite on the continuation, but they only changed two of the five guys on the ice. And Florida came pouring back in, and that's what was led to the buildup of the Huberto goal. And it's just uh, an example of exceedingly careless puck management and game management. You just got to play with your head better than that. And that was, I mean, I'm not going to call him a dumb player, but that was a dumb play. And you just need to raise your game and not be making, I mean, it's like a, it's like a blatant giveaway. I mean, why not just pass the puck to the other team? Seriously, I mean, it just... Every- I, I, before the whistle even went one second after the ice and I'm already going what are you doing 
<laughs> Every time I see Cave, uh, Kara, and Patrick Russell advancing the puck out of the Oilers zone, I'm just on the edge of my seat thinking, get it over the red line and dump it in. Get it over the red line and dump it in. Get it over the red line and dump it in. <laughs> and they do even, they can. Brees, even when they have a two-on-one, that's what I'm <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. So... <laughs> Oh, I, I actually well, I mean, They successfully uh, mostly killed their part of the game. I suspect yeah, Patrick Russell, he was the one guy who couldn't change after that icing, so he wound up with the dash one. But, I th- you know, they played their sort of 10 minutes, I guess it was, and uh, and survived it. But uh, that, that play did actually lead to the Florida goal, and it was just, you know, it's just no reason for it. That, that's why I'm singling it out as... Yeah. You know, you just got to think the game a little more thoroughly than that. My bad thing um, are two things, two quick, mm-hmm. two, just just two brain glitches by forwards. Leon Dreisaitl and San Gagne on defensive plays that led to Florida's, you know, two truly fantastic, you know, for probably 40% uh, scoring chances. I like the place. Yeah. <laughs> so the one Dreisaitl... They break in and Benning can't cut off the pass. It's it's a two-on-two and Benning can't cut off the pass. So now it's a two-on-one with settle back. And he immediately goes to the puck carrier who puts it through to Noel Akiari, I think his name is. A, a cherry. A cherry. Yeah. A cherry who's in mm-hmm. on then a breakaway and, and Koskin and stones him. So Leon, instead of playing, he just is too aggressive and he goes to the, the, the puck you know, the guy with the puck and who, who passes it over. You can't do that in the NHL. You got to play the shooter and let the goalie take the guy with the puck. So that was a mistake, mental error on Leon's part. And then um, Sam Gagne, I, I felt he was the one, um, you know, maybe someone else would read the play differently, but I'm pretty sure that was Sam Gagne. Huberdeau was cruising down the wing. Sam Gagne was with him at center ice. Just that's kind of the moment where you, where you, that's kind of the moment where you think, okay, who's got who here on the rush? And I got this guy. I got, Jonathan Huberto coming down the wing, steaming in, and Sam Gagne didn't notice him, and he went in and almost scored, other than Koskinen and making that great play. So yeah, those are my those are two two mental mistakes, and they happen in the game of hockey all the time. But those are my bad things on the night. Yeah, Leon had hustled back on that play to cover yeah. for the other defenseman. I thought he was in good position, and then he made a bad decision to go for when the guy beat Benning, as you say, and and Leon went for the. His reaction was to go for the puck carrier, and Buddy slipped a good pass through, and the cherry was alone in front. Koskinen really stoned him. That was a huge save. Yeah, it was. Um, what is your number? Well, I'm going to go with 24 minutes and 42 seconds, and that's the ice time today for Ryan Nugent Hopkins to lead all Oilers forwards. But that's just part of a larger picture this week. Against Chicago on Tuesday, he played 24 minutes and 49 seconds. And then against uh, Tampa Bay on Thursday, he played 24 minutes and 50 seconds. And today, 24.42. So all three games uh, within just a few seconds under 25 minutes. Three games in a row. 75 minutes, essentially, of hockey for this guy in the last four and a half days with another day to play. We'll see if he can do it again tomorrow. That's a huge load of ice time for a forward. Uh, But Nuge, because he's basically earned uh, the trust of his coach in all situations, even strength, power play, penalty kill, even though there was only one power play today, but 
but uh, coach is pretty heavily leaning on that first line. And, and the three games since McDavid went out, uh, we've seen Nuge take his ice time to another level and play really three excellent games in the process. So uh, hat tip to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Fantastic hockey player. <coughs> Bruce, uh, my, my numbers are 16 and 11 and 8 and 2. 16 and 11 in the last three games, the Nugent Hopkins Dreisaitl Yamamoto uh, trio when they're on the ice, um, mm-hmm. 16 grade A chances between them, eight goals when they're on the ice, yeah. 16 grade A chances in the last three, eight goals. So they are carrying the ball with McDavid out and they've, uh, the other lines combined 11 grade A chances and two goals. <coughs> so okay. we needed this line. We needed the big line to come up big and they're doing it. So, uh, way to go. Hopefully, uh, they can, so it's a tall order, as you say, in Carolina. They, they, the Oilers really are a one-line team. It would be great, though, tomorrow if somehow, like the chase on Haas, Gagne line, <coughs> which, which has come close on a number of oh. chances. If they could come up with a goal and somehow maybe Juj Arcara connect with the puck, that was a tough play. I, I saw a lot of people all over him on Twitter, but that was a bouncing it puck. That was right very, over his stick. That was a very was... hard play to make so most, I, don't, I think most that was, players would miss it. i thought it was leon going after his own rebound with that big paddle and that great hand-eye coordination he might have got it but he might have missed it yeah i mean the Kara's hat stick was on the ice puck bounced just in front and it went you know up yeah. higher than I, I i wouldn't i was cursing at the time because i thought for sure if he scores there it's the game right yeah and so, but I was more cursing the luck of the bounce of the puck than I was the player. You know, he did the right thing. He went to the net puck front and the puck just hard bounce rebound went right over his stick. Yeah, he maybe love. He came right back and he had another chance 10 seconds later. So maybe better luck tomorrow. Anyway, let's leave it there, Bruce. I got to get rolling here. So thanks for, thanks for talking tonight. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Thank you. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.